Welcome to an incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, Associate Pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. All right, guys, uh, we are going to be in Philippians chapter 1 today, okay? Philippians chapter 1, so if you have your Bibles, you can begin to turn there. And while you're doing that, uh, I'll share a little bit about uh, the book of Philippians. You may have heard these things, you may not have, but um, uh, the book of Philippians is named such because it was a letter written to uh, the Christians at, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at the church in Philippi. And this may be interesting uh, to you, may not be, but the city of Philippi was named after King Philip II, who was actually the father of Alexander the Great. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I like history. So um, it was a prosperous Roman colony, meaning that citizens of Philippi were also citizens of Rome. And it was also served as a Roman military outpost. Therefore, many of the Philippians who were there were retired military guards who remained in the city. And um, uh, in Acts 16, uh, we see uh, the first time Phil, um, um, the city of Philippi is mentioned, Paul goes uh, um, uh, because he sees a vision um, of, of, a, of a man calling him to come and save them in Macedonia. So he heads there, he gets there, and uh, something that's interesting that he finds out while he's there is that normally when he goes into a city, the first place he goes to is a synagogue, which is a place where um, the Jewish people worship, and there wasn't one. Um, and so he, uh, he went uh, toward, uh, toward the river, and uh, most likely it's because, um, uh, because it was a military outpost. Mo the majority of people were Romans. In order to have a synagogue, you have to have at least 10 Jewish men to institute one. So anyways, uh, chapter 16, you can read all about um, 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 how that church came about, and we'll dabble in it a little bit. But um, if you have uh, your place in Philippians chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 27. So let's go ahead and read real fast. Paul says to the Philippians, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. I'm reading from the NLT version um, today. Conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come to see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you were standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, that you are going to be saved even by God himself. And we're going to read one more verse. Excuse me, April, that I didn't give you this one, but one with the, the, the last verse after that, verse 29, for you have been given only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. So as, um, as I mentioned, Paul wrote this letter to the, um, to the Philippians, and he was very close um, with the people uh, there. You can, uh, you can hear it in whenever you're reading it, a closeness. Usually, you know, you know in some letters, there's a harsh tone uh, because he's dealing with an issue, but it seems like he's kind of just preparing them and kind of getting ahead of things. And uh, when you read through um, Acts 16, you can see some of the relationships that are formed there. Um, but um, the, they were faithful Christians who loved Jesus. Uh, but they were also targets of people who opposed the gospel. Uh, 
And uh, in uh, the early church times, it was normal for a Christian to face persecution during this time. And it, 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 it was a normal thing. And with that, with that being the climate and the culture of the day and the expectation, Paul encourages them and challenges them to live in a, live in a manner that is worthy of the good news. In other words, he was encouraging them to live in a way that unbelievers would look at them and that they'd see the love of Jesus inside of them, that they wouldn't see uh, 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 their own attitudes or their own opinions, but that they uh, would see Jesus. And that was his encouragement to them. And um, Paul, you know, we can receive, these, receive the same encouragement. Similarly, we too should live our lives in a, in a way that is worthy of the cross. So uh, Paul continues to encourage them. He encourages the church that, that, that he understood that this was not going to be uh, without consequence because of the situation and um, the things that they faced of that day. Uh, there were opposition. There were people who were false teachers. They were trying to mix them up, trying to get them to believe something that wasn't true, trying to uh, get them to do things that weren't necessary. And Paul, he was the guy who was going to come in and say, no, listen, don't listen to these guys. Uh, they're wrong. Stand here. But it was causing division. It was causing uh, dissension. And Paul was getting ahead of that and encouraging them, listen, let's stand together be unified. You know, don't be, don't, don't allow things to come in between. And these were things that had nothing to do with their everyday walk with Jesus. It were things that, that just get people mixed up. And, um, you know, uh, I'm encouraged today that, um, this is a message that also would encourage us today in a day where, uh, it's easy to be, it's easy. There are things that are dividing lines in conversation that bringing up our opinion easily can split between a relationship. You know, I'm encouraged for us today that we, that we too should watch the things that we choose to talk about, the, choose that we the things that we choose to bring to conversation. Some things are just not worth bringing up. Amen? Uh, our opinions, things that, that, that do not that are not going to keep the main thing the main thing, which is one thing I love about our church, guys. I'm sure that you guys have, those who have been here long enough, you know we keep the main thing the main thing. I love that. So, and uh, Paul, he kept the main thing the main thing as well. Now, interesting thing, as Paul was speaking to these people, as I mentioned, this was a group of people that were used to and that was an expectation that when they chose to follow Jesus, they understood that they were going against the grain. That when you choose to follow Jesus, you were also rejecting the law. You were rejecting everything in that time of day that they were all very passionate about, that they taught and they learned all from whenever they were young. Following Jesus was something that was not necessarily popular. But Paul encourages them to do it. Deciding to follow Jesus meant that you were rejecting some things, and Paul encourages them not to be intimidated. And so with that, you know, this message, you know, in verse 29 that I read, it says uh, that we not only have the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also suffering for him. And this was something that they had to endure. So what were some of the things that the Philippians 
or any of the early church faced. Going back to Acts 16, Paul and Silas, the beginning of the church started with them um, being scolded, criminalized, beaten, flogged, falsely imprisoned, all because they called a demonic spirit out of a woman and it cost some guys some money. And the entire church was birthed because of their suffering. The Philippians also were persecuted by unbelievers outside the church. In Acts 17, after Paul and Silas run, or, or run out of a neighboring town of Thessalonica by some angry Jewish zealots, and they chased them all the way to Berea, which was 45 miles long, or 45 miles away. Man, you got to be mad about something to chase somebody that far, man. Eventually, man, I'm just done, you know, like, especially on foot. You know, I'm thinking, man, like that must have took, I mean, surely they had some horses or something. Like you got to be mad to travel for a week, you know, and, but these guys did. And if they were to do that, you can expect that uh, I would imagine it's not hard to believe that these same, um, these same zealots or people who were like them also gave the Philippian church some trouble, that they too wanted to cause up some, or, or to raise up some dissension, to cause some issues for the church. And then also, as I said earlier, uh, it, also, it was not irregular or uncommon for a believer of that day to be subject to being criminalized, scolded, arrested, beaten, imprisoned, or possibly even killed for their faith. It was a pattern that we see in the book of Acts with Paul, the apostles, and the other men of faith that have shared their faith publicly. Now, that was a reality a little other 2,000 years ago. And when you read through church history, it continued. And, um, but when you look today in, in countries around the world, this is also still a reality that you see for believers in different countries like India, Nepal, China, and others, Christians experience hardship of many kinds. As I was studying, I came across an interesting um, uh, report that Open Doors USA 2022 World Watch List Report. Uh, they are an organization that, that, that focuses on providing support uh, for missionaries and also those who are oppressed. Um, um, as believers. And this was their report from 2022. In the last year, over 360 million Christians live in places where they experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. 5,898 Christians this past year were killed for their faith. 5,110 churches or other Christian buildings were attacked. And again, in the last year, 4,765 believers were either detained without trial, were arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. And again, this is in the, the last year. And so this is, uh, I, I find it amazing that this is something that, although it was faced 2,000 years ago, is a reality for believers, for brothers and sisters of the faith. Um, here in our world. And it's amazing to me. It's, this still amazes me 
I can, uh, whether I'm on the airplane, where I, whether I'm in the, the mall, or, or whether I'm, you know, waiting, you know, to pick up my daughters and I meet somebody who is from a different culture, from a different background, or whether I was in school, and they can be so different from me. And yet, when I find out they're a believer, it's like, boom. It's like you've known them for, for I believe it's the greatest common denominator in the entire world is being a believer in Christ. And this is the reality for some of the brothers and sisters. Now, if believers in many parts in the rest of the world are facing this kind of hardship today, what kind of hardship do we as a church in America face? Now, in the grand scheme of things, I I thought really hard, in the grand scheme of things, we may be opposed by unbelievers. We may. We might be, we not, might not be accepted by certain people or even by family. There was a young lady in our church who, uh, when she decided to follow Jesus, her family's of Muslim background, they disowned her, basically, and that was really hard for her. But for the most part, that's not a reality that most of us face. And that's pretty much about it. And when I think about it, while we are not persecuted for our faith in America, we have freedoms. It's because we have freedoms that Christians in other countries do not. We have resources that Christians in other countries do not. Meaning that we have opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom of God that Christians in other countries do not. The reason why we are not persecuted is because we are blessed. I'm so thankful, thankful that, I'm, that I was born in America. I'm so thankful. And this is not a national word that I'm giving. It's a reality that I'm born in America and I'm born here. You are born here for a reason. Because we are given an opportunity, a special opportunity, to make a difference that many people cannot make. I remember whenever I was in Kenya, and, uh, you know, India was, was awesome. But in Kenya, I saw some things that I just think I, I don't think I ever would have saw before. And we were, um, you know, I, uh, I was watching a kid who was playing with a piece of styrofoam, and then all of a sudden he took a big old chunk out of it and started eating it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, and then I, we were in El Bergen and I, and, I, and I was watching these little children who had this water bottle and this it was so cute. This little girl got this water bottle and she began to drink out of it. And there's a little boy and she gave him, you know, something to drink out of it and almost drowned him in the water. And, you know, I'm just watching these kids and I thought that, you know, I was sad for them in the moment. And, uh, but I realized that these kids, you know, had it better than some of the other kids that I would see later. And, uh, you know, in the moment I was, I was feeling sad for them, but, you know, after a while, after the rest of the trip, I wasn't sad anymore. I was thankful. I was excited because I knew that me and everyone on this trip, everyone on the trip and everybody here, that kid who was eating that styrofoam, not even an hour later, had a big old bowl of rice and beans and cabbage big old bowl and he had a spoon and he had some clean water and he was walking over trying not to spill his water had his big old thing and he sat down and he ate and it was because 
of your giving. It was because we make a difference for, the, for, for that little kid. And I, I just had to follow him. And I watched him. And all these kids are goofing around. And, you know, they definitely weren't throwing their food. I'll tell you that. But, you know, man, they ate every second. And they had smiles on their faces. They're, you know, goofing around, cutting up. And it made me so thankful that we are in a position, a strategic position, to make a difference. For Christians and for Christians to be, for believers to be around the world. Amen? You see, God has positioned us. He has positioned you strategically here in America for a reason. We must realize that we are fighting the same battle as those who are persecuted on the front lines, and we are just as important. If God can get us as his people to live in a manner that is worthy of the gospel, to stand together with believers all around the world and to fight the good fight of faith. And if we play our role in God's kingdom, then God can do even more with the gospel. He can do even more. He can build more churches, raise up more pastors, more preachers. He can raise up more orphanages, provide more food and clean water. And this is all the things that our church is doing. I'm so thankful for it. Aren't you, aren't you thankful for this? You know, when I walk through and I see the, all the children that are sponsored, you know, that's not something that you see in every church. I'm so thankful for it. it makes me proud. And all of this is for the sake of the good news, that another person will be born again, that another person's life will be transformed. Every child that is sponsored provides an opportunity for them to raise a family that doesn't grow up in that trash dump. And I'm thankful for that. So how should we receive and apply this message for today? Number one, as Paul said, let us conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Let us be aware. Let us be mindful of our conduct. And that word conduct literally means to live as a citizen. So Paul was encouraging them to, to live as a citizen, to keep in mind. And uh, uh, because of Philippi was a Roman um, outpost, it was actually given the highest level of a civilization or, or um, the highest level um, of, um, excuse me, I'm just having a brain fart here, but um, uh, they were given the highest level of a civilization that, that, that you can be given. And they had all the rights that, 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 that any Roman city could have. And um, because of that, they were a very proud people. They were proud citizens of, uh, of Philippi. And Paul encouraged them to, to, to remember to be citizens of heaven before. It, it, it speaks a lot of what he was saying to be mindful of their conduct that before that, before you were a citizen of Philippi, to be mindful of your, of, 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 of your attitudes, of your actions, of your words. And, and it goes for us to be said as well that, that, that we continue to be mindful of our attitudes, that we be mindful of our words, that we be mindful of our actions, the things not just in public but also around our family that we would have grace for our family, that we would have grace for our brothers and sisters, that we have grace for the people in our family that are hard to love because God loves them just 
because God loves them just as much as he loves us. Amen? Amen? Let us live in a way that people may see God's love through us. Secondly, let's realize, realize your position in the battle. You know, um, Paul, if he, if anybody had the right to speak to any of the churches in that day, regardless of what they were facing, to continue to remain faithful, it was Paul for what he himself endured. Everybody knew what he endured. You could see it. I mean, I, I imagine all the things, Gary, that he went through, surely he had to look like a messed up dude. Like, I mean, really, he had to have some, he must not have been a pretty guy to look at, you know? Uh, so you can tell that he went through things. And so when he, he, if anybody could say to be faithful and to remain faithful regardless of they were facing, it was him. And I believe it was because he understood, he realized and understood that there was a battle that was happening for the souls of mankind. There was a spiritual battle happening. And, and even though there were things that they were facing personally, and even though that they were facing things in their situation, he wanted to help them to understand not to lose perspective, to realize that every day is an opportunity for someone to be saved. Isn't that so true for today? You know, there are times when we have to take a step back but it is a great reminder that God uses the moments in our life to be a light for people around us. God can use anything. Let us realize the position that we hold in that battle. That we may not be persecuted, but that's a, that's a good thing. I'm thankful. You know, we're blessed. Thank God. You know, when I came back, Sue, man, I, t- I think I told you this. When I came back, man, the first thing I wanted to do was to get on that ground in Houston and start kissing the floor, man. I was so thankful to be back. And listen, I enjoyed my time in Kenya. It was great. I enjoyed some great things, but I was happy to be home. I'm thankful, thankful, thankful. But I'm also thankful for the role I get to play, for the opportunities, the, whether we are providing our our, our resources, our time, whether we're going on the mission trips, whether we're praying, the things that we get to do and the things that we get to provide, the things that we get to be a part of, it's because God has positioned us to do it. And it's important for us to remain vigilant, not to, not to lose perspective. So that's number two. Number three, to embrace your freedom as opportunity. I'm encouraged when I hear this you know, he's speaking to people who are, who, are, who, who are ready to be persecuted. Today, we are not necessarily persecuted, but it's a message that encourages me that I can use my freedom as an opportunity. I can utilize it to make a difference. We all have the opportunity, and, 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 and in no way, you know, as I say this, I probably shouldn't have to say this, but, you know, I know that we are all, um, you know, a part of the game, but we are using this, and I'm not just talking about, uh, um, I'm not just talking about uh, 
I'm around the world, excuse me, but I'm also talking about our families. I'm talking about the people in our communities, our friends, that we use it as an opportunity to be a light to the people around us that we don't have to be persecuted. With much freedom comes much responsibility. That's not the exact verse. It's with, with much power comes responsibility, comes much responsibility, but I believe the same is true that with much freedom comes much responsibility. Man, what a responsibility that we get to have. You know, the difference that we get to make. You know, without, without, without our church, without churches like ours, there are many missionaries, there are many ministries that do not, that do not get to do what they do. You know, to see all the churches that have been birthed. You know, guys, I've only been here for 10 years. <laughs> and to see the things in the last 10 years, I mean, many of you have been here for very long and you have seen the things that we have been able to do. But just in the last 10 years, y'all, wow, what we get to be a part of. It's amazing. Let us embrace our freedom as opportunity. And then number four, lastly, let us stand strong with believers who are persecuted on the front lines. You know, as I, as I, you know, as I was reading these, uh, these statistics and things like that, you know, I, I was compelled and reminded, you know, that these people need prayer, that they deserve our support. And so let us remember to stand strong with believers. And let us also stand strong with those of us who are going through hardship, who are going through things, who are going through hard times in the moment. You know, sometimes it isn't always persecution that we go through. Sometimes it is, it is difficulty. I know some people in this very room are going through the very same thing. Let us be strong and stand strong for people. Uh, continue to pray for them. Continue to lift them up in prayer, realizing that while we may not be going through something, somebody may be as well. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this dynamic message from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.